The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Now, Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin, is with me. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, um, we have looked to our nearest neighbour for all sorts of things. We copied them, we opened up our matches and so on to full crowds, largely unmasked. But there are things we can learn from their science. There are huge, a huge study this week, Pat. I mean, I was astounded by how robust scientifically this was. It's probably the biggest study ever of an infectious disease. Can you believe it? 1.8 million people have been followed. Uh, during this upsurge of cases and so on, you know. And they began following them in May. And then, of course, July 19th, the UK fully opened. And the big question was, what would happen next? Exponential growth begins immediately. If our case numbers begin to go through the roof is the first thing. The, the biggest thing they found was it's mainly young people are spreading the virus. So 50% of all infections are coming from 5 to 24-year-olds. And that, that was kind of hypothesised because obviously they're mixing and mingling yeah. more. But that's an important number. Half but of this all business of uh, young school-going primary kids don't spread the infection. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, not true. This data tells you that's absolutely not true. So that's one important thing they've found. The second one was definitely vaccine stop transmission. And that's been disputed, as you know, Pat, and discussed forever in the last few weeks anyway. And if you're vaccinated, you're less infectious overall yeah. is the first thing. Now, we keep getting these people saying, oh, you're just the same if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you can give it to somebody else. Well, at, at, at peak load, if you have a breakthrough infection, the vaccine is going to be working away to get rid of it. So yeah. uh, for how long might you be infectious? Well, again, others? this study took samples off these 1.8 yeah. million people some from their noses, measured the virus in them. And if you're vaccinated, you can get infected in your nose because the immune system is in your lungs mainly. Uh, you're Probably two days you're infectious two days. for. For unvaccinated people, it's seven days. Right, so immediately you can see now if you're vaccinated, you're spreading it less over the course of a week. You know, because so that is the science. End of. The, end there of is story. no yeah, quarrel and, and, about this, and, and it's so robust. As I say, when you have 1.8 million people you're following, it's really crystal clear. The other very interesting fact was if you're in a household with people. Uh, and someone is, a, is is positive and you're vaccinated, you have a 1 in 25 chance of getting infected, which is not insubstantial. But it does mean vaccinated people will pick it up. But again, if you're unvaccinated, you have a, three, a 4 in 25 chance. You have a threefold increased risk of infection if you're not vaccinated than if you are. So again, if you translate that into a population decrease of the virus overall you see so these are very important okay. hard, hard numbers that come from the hard state. numbers now we're rolling out boosters here we've already uh, rolled them out for the elderly and those who are immunocompromised in nursing homes and we're doing it for healthcare workers and uh, for, as and from this week the over 70s um, third uh, shots they work they do now this is a similarly huge study from Israel this is 1.15 million people so a huge number were followed after the booster shot the third shot and they followed them very closely they followed them for 13 days they look at their risk of infection again risk of hospitalisation and so on and again huge protection following the third shot Uh, 93% protection against severe disease uh, 92% against uh, hospitalisation in that booster population the unboosted ones who they had as a a kind of a control group they had a higher risk of hospitalisation that's the evidence for if you like. So what's happening is the booster is restoring protection back to what it was, if you like, in this group. And what was really nice was they measured the immune system in all these people. It was so strong, Pat, after the third shot, you can predict maybe two, three years, as we've been saying. This is hypothesised before, by the way. In other words, that third shot could give you two to three years protection. So again, it justifies the booster hugely. Now, you told us last week uh, that J&J has now effectively in America become a two-dose regime. Um, And the argument might be if you had J&J that you should get Pfizer uh, yep. as a, your second uh, shot. The people with AstraZeneca, particularly, you know, healthcare workers, those who uh, have some underlying condition, 
uh, and they had to wait 12 weeks before they got the second shot but it wanes quicker than Pfizer so they should be high on the list they should be high on the list yeah now mind you they're not that different in terms of waning early on the initial data said AstraZeneca's waning slightly more quickly but the kind of Pfizer's catching up with the waning really if you look at it slight difference between them but there's no doubt if you give Pfizer after AstraZeneca you get a better response than a second shot of AstraZeneca or a third shot of AstraZeneca so now they're giving Pfizer as we know as the booster which makes perfect sense and again all that data supports that notion Now there are hard to reach groups and we've heard about hard to reach groups here for vaccination like uh, migrant workers uh, who are working in farms picking fruit and so on and they come from countries and they're consuming their own media online countries where there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy in Eastern Europe, for example, yeah. how to reach those communities. In New Zealand, yeah. now, they have an friend, interesting idea. A friend of mine, Manus Rogan, had to thank him, but he sent me this. I'd missed this report, but Manus sent me this, and it's really interesting. So New Zealand, as you know, we always look at them, don't we, as a, an example. Uh, they've got to 90% of their adult population vaccinated, by the way, very quick in New yep. Zealand. The hard-to-reach groups, they're now homing in on these ones who won't take the vaccine. And it turns out there's a big gang culture in New Zealand. Uh, the Maoris and the Pacific Islanders form gang it's cultural and there's a big kinship in them and they're, they're not taking the vaccine. Are they criminal gangs? I think some of them are actually. Yeah. Yeah, some, that has to be said, some of them are. But, um, but the thing is, they're in poorer communities and in general, poorer communities won't take the vaccine as much as more affluent ones. So what have the New Zealanders done, Pat? They've asked the gang leaders to help them. <laughs> and two of the gang leaders, it's a great one, this Harry Tam and Sonny Fatupito have stood up and said, we will now promote the vaccine among gangs. <laughs> now, this sounds unusual, doesn't it? And, and they were criticised for this because there is a bit of a criminal side to this slightly. But, but these two gang leaders have gone into their communities. They've helped set up vaccination pop-up centres. They've got themselves vaccinated publicly as an example, you know, and they've travelled all over New Zealand and more and more gang leaders now are getting involved in this vaccination campaign. And, and they asked one of them, uh, Harry, why are you doing it? He said, to help my people. It's as simple as that. The vaccine will protect my people and I'm going to go out now and I'm going to press that they should be vaccinated. And it's something like 80,000 people are in this cohort, which isn't insubstantial. Like in yeah. Ireland, we've still got about 200,000 people. If you could get another 80,000 vaccinated in New Zealand, that'll help the overall vaccination campaign. Okay, so as long as they're not pushing something else into your arm. Well, this is the strange thing. Yeah, but it's, it's the authorities, yeah. the health authorities who are actually doing the vaccination. Yeah, and they've given grants. I mean, the trouble is, obviously, it's a bit like here in a sense, it's hard to reach certain groups overall. Yeah. And they're, they're reaching these gangs. They're giving them more grants. They're going into the communities more and more. And guess what, Pat? The vaccination rate in these groups have now gone mm. up because these two leaders have stood up to say we want to help our people. Now, you know, when we talk about countries being fully vaccinated, what does that actually mean? Well, that's the next question. See, it's, it's changing. As we keep saying, we, we wish it was all over, don't we? Well, it's changing. So full vaccination meant two shots. So as we know, it will mean three shots. That's what they're saying now. Okay. So if we go forward to after Christmas, I predict anybody getting a vaccine from from the start will be given three shots. It will become this will become a three shot vaccine, and that that will constitute yeah. full vaccination. And then it now. may be an annual vaccine thereafter. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, precisely. like the flu shot. So. Yeah. That's yeah, and and in fact, it, it, the future will be, let's say next winter, we'll give shots to the vulnerable again and it will be three shots because it, it's working so well. You'd be foolish not to give the third shot given that it's causing yeah. a huge response. You know that moral dilemma about the third world and so on. Now, we have donated through the, the COVAX program uh, a couple of million uh, doses that we're paying for. They're not delivered here and then sent off. They're going directly from the, the factories to the third world. Um, but since there is such a plentiful supply, if we can afford it, we should do our own population, we, I presume. We, we should. And secondly, 
but it's a, now a logistical question, not a supply question. There's enough vaccine to give away to developing countries. The question yeah. is, can you get it out to them or not? Like we did with polio, by the way, and smallpox. And there's a mission to logistically increase the supply to these countries. So in other words, we, don't, I don't, we needn't worry so much about that we're giving a vaccine to a third shot to someone here. You, you will be able to get to vaccinate yeah. the developing I, I need your help. Uh, I've been asked by Tony Holden, um, as, long as, the, as well as the rest of the population, to cut my contacts by 40%. I mean... Yeah. What, what does that mean? Forty percent. What does that mean? You mean half a person less? Is it in the <laughs> evening? I don't know. It's a bit. It's a bit hard, isn't it? I'd like to see a, a stronger recommendation there. In a way, yeah. It, they may move to saying three households can mix, not four. That kind of thing. That would yeah. constitute a decrease in context. It does make sense to limit it a bit, Pat, doesn't it? Um, have you decided how you feel about? Um, because I have a query here about the five to twelve-year-olds wearing masks in school. Well, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been saying that for a while. It is difficult. I do, I do admit that it, it can be can be difficult. But it's been shown to work, Pat. In the US, they've studied masks in primary yeah. school kids. The kids don't mind wearing them. There was always a worry it might be damaging to them in some way. There's no evidence for that, you see. It's another way to decrease transmission. The problem is, if you're not wearing a mask in school, then if you're having play dates or sleepovers or whatever, you're f- figuring, well, it was okay in school. Yeah. It must be okay here with my school pals. Yeah, well, that's it, you see. And then that UK study, if the, va- if the spread is coming from over five-year-olds, that, that's what that UK study says that's a group we must look at now in, in, in a more detailed way. Uh, the other question is about hotels. They they haven't uh, kind of tightened up on that. Michal Martin said that anyone dining indoors and so on had to show a COVID cert, but it appears if you check into a hotel. Yeah, you don't need to. I mean, that's, There's that's inconsistencies there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why should young people care about COVID? The older generation have shown repeatedly they don't care about climate change, which will damn all young people. Tough luck. Deal with it. Yeah, you can see that argument cracking slightly, can't you? I must say, yeah. it's going to be hard, isn't it, with the younger people? Yeah. Uh, can you ask Luke? Will boosters be given to pregnant women? Are they not uh, in the underlying condition group and be eligible for a booster? That's Caroline from Waterford. That's a really good question. But they haven't spoken about that actually. Yeah, that may yeah. be on the agenda. Because we saw you the numbers know. this morning. So many yeah. uh, hospitalizations of pregnant women, and I think all but one of them yeah. in ICU uh, were unvaccinated, and yeah. one was yeah. partially vaccinated. Uh, 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 and you can understand people not wanting to harm their unborn baby, yeah, yeah. but I, the evidence is fine. They, they look at those pregnant women now and see if it's waning. If there's no evidence of waning, remember younger people, there's not much waning going on anyway. It's people over 60 is where the waning's happening. The hope would be there wouldn't be waning in the pregnant group and then you wouldn't have to give a third shot. Uh, great to have all this data, but how long will it take Neffet to listen to the science and reintroduce contact tracing in schools? Well, one reason we're talking about it is to tell Neff, and I hope they've read that paper. It's a massive paper in the Lancet. This, all the data is there. Imagine yeah. 1.8 million people followed for months. If you want to know what's going to happen in Ireland, look, look at that paper, and then that should inform the decision-making. Um, uh, hi, Pat. Could you ask, Luke, if I should be getting a booster shot, or can I? I'm over 50 and got the uh, J&J shot last May. That's a great question. They haven't said anything about that in Ireland, Pat, the J&J business. I mean, yeah. I'd be advocating for a second shot for J&J, for definite, you see, and then potentially a third shot. So let's hope NIAC now, and it's NIAC job, look at the J&J situation. In the US, they are giving a second shot to J&J people, because they know you need that second shot. That should come here as well. Yeah, I printed off the minutes of the uh, Neffet meeting. Uh, A lot of them attended by Zoom, and some of them were in attendance. But I was trying to get at, you know, where the reluctance to, to advocate antigen testing is. I mean, there was a, a, a Professor Martin Cormican, I think, mm. yesterday was quoted as saying that there's, you know, he needs more evidence to show that antigen testing will help in schools. 
Yeah, I, I, I I'm going it. to go through these minutes from September in detail yeah. because yeah. they had some discussions. But yeah. it's it, it's a mystery, isn't it? Yeah, because again, it's another weapon to use. It's not foolproof, but it's all about communication in a sense. If you did it with antigen testing, people won't take it, will it? In a sense, so, so we need much more stronger recommendations there to, to their use. Yeah, and uh, the other thing they're posting out the uh, rapid lateral flow tests, uh, antigen tests. They're posting them out to close contacts. Now, there's a belief, therefore, that the person who's symptomatic and gets the PCR then has close contacts there seems to be a fundamental belief that that person is the the one who spread the infection it could be one of the asymptomatic people it could and by the time the antigen tests arrive they have shed all their virus and they're not infected anymore that's the challenge yeah yeah, you're much better off sending these tests to all households I think to be honest and let people use them or or send them an email and they go to the local pharmacy and and pick it up and pick it up there which means that the latest it would be 9 o'clock opening time the next morning they'd have it instead of one or two or three days uh, by uh, on post my two year old grandson has no problem wearing a mask he wore one on a six hour flight no problem I can't understand why primary school children are not wearing masks in school or in shops that's from Tom in Castlenock yeah, other countries have the same experience yeah. they, get, they get the kids to wear them and now I know there's issues with it but it's not that difficult yeah I was uh, passing a, a pharmacy and I saw two kids unmasked in the pharmacy and there were a couple of older people queuing up for prescriptions and they were looking at these unmasked kids with some nervousness I have yeah. to say yeah so, so there you are. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Now, coming up later on News Talk, rising COVID numbers and our, we're being asked to cut our contacts, as we've discussed with Luke. We will be talking to Professor Sam McConkie about what else we might have to do. But. 